everybody. Welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is a podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. I write for The Rap. That's right. List your outlet with well, pride. Well, right now it's just The Rap. So The oh, Rap. Yeah. <laughs> and also here. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I write for Slash Film. I put in about five articles a day over there. It's very impressive. That is wrote a wrote an essay on uh, "Stand by Me" today. The movie or the song? The movie. Stand okay, by me. It's, it's a good slash, movie. That is slash film, not slash music. Well, it's slash implies other things, so it could be like music slash film. Uh, slash film comes from the old. Uh, I think it probably comes originally from like old rec groups. If you remember those mm. from back in the day, yeah. like Usenet news groups. Oh yeah, so like, well, it's like, uh, uh, like, like on the internet. I'm gonna look at imdb.com/slash/film. Yeah, 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 well, yeah like we're, we're at patreon.com/slash/critically slash acclaimed so network. The, yeah, slash film. I think we've I think we've uh, delved far enough into this rabbit hole. Yeah, enough, enough of this gay banter. Yeah. This is. <laughs> I think people come to us for the gay banter. Uh, <laughs> this is we've got mail. This is a podcast where again. It, it, you decide what we talk about. You send us an email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or you can send us a physical letter. Our, our uh, physical letter address. Whitney, what is our PO box? <laughs> it's a, we have a post office box. I'm so tired. It's at a post office. Yeah. Uh, send it to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, PO box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. That's right, and uh, yeah, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, real fast, I just want to point out at the top of the show, uh, in case anyone missed it, we do have uh, Salt Cat Soap uh, making a big return. Uh, we used to have an Etsy store, me and my partner, M. Lampas da Silva. Uh, we sold soaps on Etsy. We designed soaps. We sold soaps. Many people bought soaps. We're very grateful to you for that, but uh, Etsy changed the way it worked, and it didn't work for us anymore. So we've set ourselves up at a Soap of the Month Club on Patreon. It's a separate Patreon. It's called patreon.com slash Salt Cat Soap, all one word. Mm-hmm. And you can sign up to receive one soap a month or two soaps a month, uh, handcrafted, uh, fancy designs by M. Lopez da Silva and or myself. Uh, and um, yeah, it's U.S. only at the moment. Sorry about that for international listeners, but uh, it doesn't really work financially otherwise for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's what we got right now. So thank everybody who signed up already. It's brand spanking new. So if anyone wants to pop on over, we'd appreciate it. But no worries either way. We think you're cool. <laughs> All right, let's jump right into some emails. Whitney, let's right. talk. Let, let's let's rap, shall we? Hold on, let me spin my chair around and straddle it. Let's rap. All oh, right. God, that's got to hurt your back. I have a backwards ball cap. Yeah. There are no ergonomic chairs with, like, the back and the front. I don't think that's what ergonomic means. Oh, well, when, like, you're sitting around, <laughs> like, kind of, like, hey, kids, let's rap. Like, I don't think hmm. you're supposed to do that. I, I know there are chairs built for straddling. Like, they have a back, but all, there's also a front. Yeah. Like, you're meant to just sort of, like, Splits over them. Sounds awful. <laughs> well, you know, people who are comfortable with their, you know, their legs no, sounds, splayed. Sounds awful to me. Let's move All on. All right. Um, here's a letter from Name Redacted. If you don't sign off your letter, I'm not going to read it from the subject line. Those are the rules. Um, but it says uh, the future of movie trivia. Uh, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. I know semi recently it was announced that the movie trivia showdown will be ending. Yep. You two are some of my favorite players ever. Oh, oh thanks. Well, thank you. Uh, even so far as to say, Cinemaniacs and Self-Righteous Brothers are all-time <laughs> teams for me. Uh, that was a good time. 
Self Righteous Brothers was me and uh, Mark Edward Hoyk. That mm-hmm. was a, that was a good blast. It was a good team, and you had a fabulous entrance where you summoned Mark Edward Hoyk mm-hmm. from the Hellraiser Puzzle Cube. Yes, that I, was so fun. It was so I, fun. I borrowed that from uh, from a friend of a friend, and yeah. I haven't gotten it back to them. It's still in my apartment. Oh God! So I, I'm, I'm not you know. I'm hanging on to it for somebody else. It's just yeah. one of those things where it's just like we never had an opportunity to kind of give it back, and you yeah. never asked. So yeah, like, it, but it's like on it's on your mantle, and I think I know where it is. It's yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's there if they ever pop uh, in and go, hey, we'll go here. We you don't go. have a mantle. No, it's on, it's on dream, top though. of a thing. It's on top of a thing. Yeah, couldn't that's, be on. Couldn't be under a thing. Anyway, uh, we digress. Uh, I was curious how you two feel about it all ending. Mm. On top of that, I was also wondering if you two see yourself pursuing playing more in the future with other leagues existing such as the ones uh, Paul, Chance, Robert, Collins, etc. play in. Do you see yourselves wanting to play there in the coming years? Thank you for all you do and all you have done. Uh, Thank you so much. If anyone is unfamiliar with what we're talking about, uh, there was an online trivia sports league called the Movie Trivia Schmodown. It was created by uh, Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis, Hmm. uh, formerly from the Schmoes No Network, and they do their own stuff now. Um... And it's really cool. Uh, it started off as a way for a whole bunch of different uh, film critics and online hosts to uh, just sort of play around, be competitive, take on these kind of wrestling personas, and challenge each other to movie trivia. And it took off, and it was really, really fun. And um, yeah, it was. It went for nine seasons. We're at the end of the ninth season. There's a few episodes left, and I believe that the series finale is on October 1st. And they recently announced that both Whitney and I will be playing in that finale, which is kind of cool. Uh, I got to play more often than you did, Whitney. And yes. I think I always think that's a crime. I always feel like there was always something in the mm. way. Well, what was in the way was probably just me. I know... Mm. Uh, Christian kind of orchestrated the whole thing. Like he was, oh, the it, was one, his, it was his baby. Yeah, he he sort of took control of a lot of the storylines. Mm. Um, he was the one who was sort of dictating uh, who should play one another, and then he was, mm-hmm. you know, of course, have to come up new, with new stories based on who won. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always very upset when he had this like really creative idea for a story, and you know, like somebody like bursts out of the gate, starts taking the the schmodown by storm, and then they lose their first match, and it's like, well, crap, now I have to think of something different. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it, it happened many times. None, none of you the, had so yeah. many plans. It's like, well, I, the the game is the game. They yeah, lost. That happened to me a couple of times. I was, I was like, yes, I was this unstoppable wrecking machine. Then I played JTE and lost. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's okay because me and Whitney are going to be this unstoppable wrecking machine, and then we lost our first tournament match, and we couldn't play again for six months. And it's yeah, like, yeah, shit. So I I think the the reason I and so I was just there to have fun. Like I'm I'm yeah. I'm not. I had sort of a persona, but I didn't devote a lot of, like, my energy or personality into... I just wanted to go there and I wanted to play. I wanted to dress up and say silly things and just, you know, sort of play around. Well, you were quite good at it. And, and, and yeah, I had had a wonderful time and I met a lot of really fun, wonderful people and I had a a lot of really wonderful uh, partners. I think I and Ty Lieberman... Uh, mm. Had a really wonderful uh, team. Going. You had a good rapport, you two. Yeah. You were funny together, yeah. And, and he would always bring like the, the shittiest red wine. And it was real red wine. <laughs> I and we, knew it was and real. And we'd I drink it shit. on camera. It's like was it oh, like well, box wine or like... it was like two buck chalk. Didn't okay, get from like Trader funny. Joe's. Right. Um, but yeah, and we would drink it, and somehow we did better when we went and had like a few sips of red Loosen wine. Loosen up so. a smidge, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were kind of relaxed, and I think it was just so relaxed and just having fun that uh, Christian got a little frustrated that I wasn't sort of like 
playing it up. You weren't being more evil. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're a villain. You're a face. Yeah, I'm, I'm being kind of smug. Can't, that's that's, that's <laughs> my thing. I'll have, have some wine. Want some wine, Christian? No, be, be evil. Well, here's the thing. A lot of us weren't actors. No. Some of us were. Some of us, a lot of people who played in the showdown were like stand-up comics or they had some acting Sam experience. Sam Levine is a professional actor. He, and he's, he's one of the was, legends yeah. of the game. He's incredible. If you, if you watch him play his last couple of matches, I don't think he missed the question. Hmm. Like, it's nuts. Um, so there are people who could do both, and a lot of us are film critics. <laughs> we're not necessarily the in front of the camera. Like, that's not necessarily what we do. We're more here for the trivia. That's always what it was for me. And I, while I was always very gung-ho about the theatricality, I love to put on a big entrance, that kind of thing, um, playing a heel never really worked for me because I, I could never convince myself I was a mm. heel. And so it was always felt really false to me, and it wasn't until I dropped that and let myself be just kind of the funny guy mm. that I think I found my real success in the game. And I was pretty successful for a while there. I actually had a good run. A lot of people think that uh, me and Brendan Meyer were uh, mm. one of, if not the best teams that ever played, and that's an honor to people think that. Um, I'm going to miss it. I, I, we, we've recorded the last uh, uh, episode. I think that's well known now. And I'm not going to tell you a damn thing that happens. I want you to watch it. It will be free. It's not a pay-per-view event. You should just watch it and have fun. But what I will say is this. Um, you know, we finished recording. Mm. We all said our goodbyes. We few, uh, a few, a lot of us ended up like going out to like a bar afterwards. I didn't Aww. stay long. I'm not a bar guy, but I stayed for like an hour or mm. two. And I was, I was on my way home, and I realized that oh, I had a good run. Isn't that nice? Mm. And then I realized that there is an excellent chance that a lot of the people that I just saw that day, uh-huh. I might never see in person again. Like yeah, we'll be the, online the, friends. The, the only time we ever saw a lot of these people, a lot was of them, at, like Shmodon a lot of them don't even live in LA. They like fly out, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know if I'm ever going to see in person a yeah, lot of those yeah. folks ever again. And that made me really sad because I consider many of them to be very good friends now. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's it's. I will say this: it's been a good run. I think you know we all would have liked it for it to have gone on forever, but nine seasons is good by any estimation. Um, especially nowadays when most online shows go kaput after like five episodes. <laughs> right. So like, that's a good run. I no one should but be that, ashamed of that run. That's a good run. That, that Christian Harloff was able to devote so much time and energy mm-hmm. into making this like, like a legit good show. Mm-hmm. That and a legit a, sport. Like it was actually yeah, like, it was the competition was very real and we trained really hard for the, it. Uh, and the devotion of the people who watched it mm-hmm. was always a little overwhelming yeah. for me. Like, this sounds like something you should just sort of do on a weekend for funsies and you put it on YouTube and 50 people watch it. No, yeah. thousands of people were watching thousands, this. Yeah, stuff. it's peak and, many thousands. Yeah. Like, it was a huge hit for in the middle there in particular. It was gigantic. Mm. Um, it was still doing well at the end, but the middle was where, like, we really had the mm. sweet spot and there was a lot of, like, cross-promotion and I think that really helped, but... Um, so yeah, I'm going to miss it. Uh, I really, it was kind of my hobby for many years. It was a mm. thing I did for fun and I was able to practice on for fun. And I, I've actually had trouble like reprogramming myself a little bit. Cause I'll keep like, I'll like look, look, be looking up things online. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize he was in that. I should remember that for, Oh wait, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's a little, it's a little sad. Yeah, you know? yeah. I have to think about things a slightly different way. Not a big deal. Just, mm. it's funny. Um, but as for doing it's like, other it's stuff, like when, uh, you know, it's like when you break up. Yeah, you know, a bit. when you have a breakup, and even uh, if it's even if it's nice, it's still a, like a um, nice breakup. If if you know, if yeah. e- even if you're, it's like a, even if it's a bad breakup. You know, you're yeah. kind of sort of like in that post relationship phase mm. where your mind is still getting used to not mm. dating that person anymore, not having that person in your life, not being and part of that dynamic. Yeah. So it's like you're you're out at a bookstore. It's like oh. Um, 
my my significant other would like. Lo- oh wait, I don't have to. I don't have to, think I don't have to make that, that note that, anymore. That's not important. Like, that's not anymore. something I can. Yeah. I have to communicate to that person. Anymore. Yeah, for better or worse, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, as for doing other stuff, uh, not opposed to it down the road, but not really thinking about it very much right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Smodon isn't technically over. The episodes are still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I do love movie trivia. I would love to do more trivia stuff. I don't think I'm going to go to any of the leagues that currently exist, but. Theoretically, down the road, sure, right. I would really like that. So, uh, yeah. I'm not ruling it out, but I'm not thinking about it right yeah. now. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, thank you again for your support, yeah, and thank you to everybody who watched over the years. I know quite a few people uh, subscribed to the podcast because they saw us on the movie trivia showdown, and that means a lot. Yeah, to they, us, so a, lot, a lot. It directed a lot of people our direction. Right? It's been really yeah. good to us. So, thank you. Yeah. In fact, we're called critically acclaimed because that was the name we came up with for the showdown. That's right, and yeah. then that's that's what we named the podcast, and yeah. here we are. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Here's a letter from Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. Uh, hello, Willie B and Cy Bold. Nice. You're Willie B now. I, I um, live with that. I've, yeah. been called, I've been called way worse. Yes, I've just assigned you your street dancing monikers. Nice. <laughs> but since I've uh, just used the word moniker to describe your new names, probably I'm not qualified to give out street names. <laughs> uh, before last week, I had never watched a Step Up movie. <gasps> Uh, it was some sort of uh, machismo reason. I mm. never, I, I never really sought them out. But then, uh, step me up, step me down. Started, and I figured, why the hell not? I searched my various streaming services, and they have uh, all but two of the movies. Since then, I've already watched Step Up and rented Step Up to the Streets. Do whatever hand gesture Bibbs said was required to properly say the title. Done. <laughs> Uh, in preparation for the next episode. So it's fair to say that I'm all in for this podcast. Pause for William to acknowledge what I just did there. Step up all in. All in. That's the fifth movie. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, Step up all in is... You're right, that's the fifth one. Revolution is the fourth one. It's the fast five of the series where like... They go to Vegas in that one. They go to Vegas and all the characters from every single movie thus far Mm -hmm. are all in that one. Yeah. Number one. Oh, and since this is my first time watching, I had some comments about your first episode and maybe a comment or two for the second. Uh, number awesome. one. Uh, before we get started, just in case anyone's unclear about the context here, on patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, we just started a new Patreon exclusive podcast called Step Me Up, Step Me Down, in which we are watching all of the films in the Step Up franchise, of which there are six. And we're going to be watching every episode of the TV series because... Whitney and I think the series is cool, and we really <laughs> like it a lot, We're and we enjoy talking about it. We think, and, and I'll say this right now, I don't know a single critic that I can think of off the top of my head who doesn't at least admit to liking them. <laughs> it's just a good franchise, it's got a good heart, and if you're unfamiliar with it, our podcast is a great place to start. Uh, it is available at the $1 tier right now, so it's a very minimal monthly investment, mm. and you get uh, the, these shows ad-free, so you get that added bonus. Anyway. Let's hear these uh, comments, because I'm very curious. Uh, this is our first feedback we've had on that podcast. Uh, number one, you mentioned the cost of destruction they caused ruining someone's scholarship. Uh, if the, 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 mm. In the, the movie Step Up, uh, mm. Channing Tatum breaks into a school, breaks some things, and evidently the cost of fixing that is like... Enough that it costs someone... It costs a, a, someone a scholarship. Yeah, like that, he, that he ruins someone's future, and that's mm. like, he's got to pay for that. Yeah. That's the impetus for the storyline. If they wanted to actually show random destruction in that school to actually cost a scholarship, I got two words for you. Cello fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to see him just, like, I picking up it. a cello and swinging it. Oh, someone. my God. Oh, Channing Tatum's really yeah. butch, too. He could probably really swing that sucker. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, number two, I also think that, <laughs> that Buff Chestby, for whatever Channing Tatum's name is in this series... Tyler Gade. Tyler Gade. Which is just as implausible. He comes back in the second one. He does. To do a trampoline dance. Yeah, he does. We'll talk about that one in the next... I think we're recording the next, next episode tomorrow, so... Uh, but since he ruined fun. two people's scholarships... Uh, mm. Sure, the Vaz or whatever, but at the end of the movie, he gets accepted into school, likely on a scholarship. It doesn't yep. seem like he or his foster family could afford the cost. They can. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> So, so, he Rock- took, so he also took someone else's scholarship. So Mr. Rockhard Abs is just ruining futures all around, and he gets a future for himself. He does, and he earned it. And here's what I'll say about that. I like to think, hmm. because over the course of the movie, if, again, if you're familiar with it, over the course of the first film, he has to do community service at the school in order to pay for what he broke. Hmm. Uh, a and over the course of it, he ends up actually working with one of the dancers. They fall in love. He proves that he's a great dancer. At the end of the movie, he gets a scholarship. I like to think that although he got a scholarship to go to that school, they're still making him do the community service. Oh, that'd be nice. Like, it's, yes, on, it's on you and off the hook. Like He comes to go like, yeah, it's awesome. And you're staying late to clean <laughs> every day for the rest of the year. <laughs> Gotta clean out the grease traps today. Yeah. Uh Point three, if it is a, quote, trade school of the arts that someone goes to after high school, it gets really creepy, Whitney. Um, I, I I assumed it was just a college. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was, like, I some sort it, of specialty I high school. I thought it was a specialty high school, like a private school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little... They don't really go into great detail about how the school works. Yeah. So I think they, they uh, kind of let it have aspects that feel like college and also feel like high school, and I think they're just trying yeah. to have their cake and eat it, too. It says, um, they say that... <laughs> keeps giving uh, Channing Tatum funny names. They say that Thick McDancewell can only do his community <laughs> service after he gets out of class. His layabout lifestyle strongly suggests that he is not college material, so I can't help but assume that he is at high school. Mm-hmm. They do show him leaving school a handful of times, so I'd rather deal with the problematic nature of Nora's best friend dating a relatively older man than a college senior dating a high school student. Yeah, either way, that's kind of messed up. I think the kind of movie kind of only works if it's a high school. Or, or just they're all in college. I assume they were all in college. They will look like they're in college. I don't think Tyler Gage goes to college on purpose at the beginning of that movie. I think he goes to high school because he has to. Like a community college, but why would he go? He has no interests. He has no thoughts for his future. He's got some. Got to do something. Got to learn about the I world. I feel like that's something that would be like a plot point. Right. <laughs> like his uh, his foster. Pa- He's also got foster parents. If he was in college, he could be on his own. Uh, not necessarily. Not, not necessarily. But anyway, I'm just saying. All right. Um, the first one's got some shoddy world building in it, and it gets better later, I'll give you that. Shoddy world building, and yeah. the first step up. Uh, beyond that, I would say I enjoyed the first movie, I really, uh, and I really thank you for having me watch Step Up to the Streets, do the hand gesture. I also have one question about Step Up to the Streets, do the hand gesture, uh, that I hope you can answer. Um, how did Dean, the character of Dean, know exactly where to find the dance competition when they say you only know about it via super secret text? Uh, we haven't talked about Step Up 2 yet. The but, de- yeah. Okay, the, the the idea of Step Up to the Streets, mm. real fast, and we're going to go into something in exhausting, hopefully funny detail when we do the next episode of Step Me Up, Step Me Down, which will be this week. Uh, the plot is uh, another kid from that town is uh, forced to go to that uh, dance school mm. or else they'll be forced to move away. Yeah. You have to do make something of your life, or you'll be forced to move away to Texas, where I guess they don't have dancing. Um, over the course of the film, she ends up putting together like a crew of the outcasts at that school to perform in a big dance competition outside the school. It's a it's sort of like you, you've seen Street Fighter. It's like that, but it's street dancing. It's called the Streets. Mm. Uh, at the end of the of the film, 
the competition is on, as you can imagine. And the idea the idea is they're not supposed to know where it takes place until the night of the event, and they sort of text you if you've mm. been accepted. And the question is, how does the dean of the school, who shows up at the end to have a big sort of moment with the cast, uh, find them? And they actually do explain that. Uh, uh, he follows Moose. Mm. Moose is the name of one of the characters. Moose stayed behind. Why Moose stayed behind at the school event when he knew the streets was on is a little unclear. And we'll talk about that in some detail. But he might have just been in order to facilitate the plot and get the Dean over there. Because otherwise there's no way the Dean could have found the streets. So I do believe there's an answer, but it actually raises another plot hole. Which is pretty (laughs) funny. So we'll we'll talk about that in a lot of detail. Here's what I love about the Step Up movies. Fuck plot holes. Yeah, it's kind of uh, unimportant, is it? Like, it's fun to think about, but it's not really important. The actual plots of the movie, like, even the the characterization is almost better if it's weaker. Uh, yeah. Just because we're here to see the dancing, and the flimsier the excuse to get the dance, the better the movies become. Yeah, it's true. It's like, it's, it's like the, the, the movies start gaining so much energy that they can't help but just break out into a dance. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't need an excuse after a while. And, and I love every part yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, I think there is an explanation for that, but it's kind of weird, and we'll talk about it. And great deal in the next Step Me Up, Step Me Down. Okay. Is that the end of the email? Uh, that's the end of the email. I, listen, thank you so much for... Li- we were worried a little bit when we started that podcast that, like, people who weren't into Step Up wouldn't be interested at all. Right. And I'm glad you took a chance. <laughs> I really am honored that you had enough faith in us that you gave the podcast a chance and watched the movie, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. That makes me feel really good, and I hope other people do the same thing, because those step-up movies, the majority of them, there's like one that isn't very good, but like the, those step-up movies are pure joy. Mm. They're pure joy. So I think you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, here is an update from uh, OK, who is a listener from Finland. Oh, hi! Um, yeah, that's great. OK has been setting up uh, sort of like a film workshop, so this is uh, the latest update. Um, it says, Dear Bibbs and Whitney Seibold, you're both still very awesome, handsome, smart, and funny. Oh, um, stop! Pish. Uh, I enjoy your podcasts a lot because they are good. Thank you. Uh, my Movie Club continues in a couple of weeks. During great. the summer... Uh, during summer, the culture workshop I had to do uh, had a lighter schedule due to their staff being on vacation. They deserved it for being awesome. Not that mm-hmm. you have to deserve rest from work, though. Uh, <laughs> but I had the attitude a, they have in America. Yeah, yeah. You, have, you have to earn everything. Yeah, and even then, you're supposed to work through it because Stru- work is struggling more important. Yeah. Struggling at you. Yeah, if you're poor, yeah. if you're poor, it's not because you're not working hard enough. God, did they brainwash us. That's, That's not yeah, great. American, anyway. American dream. Yeah. Uh, so I had a bit of a break since my last time doing the club. Glad to hear uh, since last time, I've quit my studies in University of Applied Sciences for their way too big workload and my mental health being unable to handle it. Mm-hmm. Also because my priorities are at the workshop and my own YouTube channel where I do film and TV show reviews. These are the kinds of things I actually want to do with my life, I've noticed. That's great. Getting paid for it, of course, is less easy. Mm-hmm. So with help, I'll probably start applying for some lighter jobs to help pay for stuff. Sounds about right. Am I getting too open and personal here? I don't even really have a proper point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm glad. Thank you for the updates. And that's a very that we had to do the same thing. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, maybe just to remind people that it's okay if your path to success will not go through the expected way, and it's okay to quit things that are getting to be too much for you. Very true. Uh, I agree with anyway, everything you just said. I apologize if this is not what the letters column is for. I guess you two really do have a nice, safe energy to you. Oh, well, thank you. That's thank very you. Sweet of you. We want, we want uh, to have that. Yeah. But hey, let's talk about movies. Yay! They are cool. In the fall's first period of the culture workshop, I will be showing Asian films in my movie club. Okay. Uh, because I have many I want to revisit or share with others, it's also good to show movies outside the U.S. to people. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I should actually point them to a finished movie at some point. <laughs> That'd be nice, yeah. The plan is currently to show them the following films. Okay. Uh, in the Mood for Love. 
Okay. Good uh, film. Memories of a Murder. Oh, it's that's a, a really a good Bung film. Bong Joon-ho film. Yeah, sure, that's so. a Bong Joon-ho uh, uh, serial killer procedural about like... I think it's the first documented serial killer in Korea or like something like yeah, that. It's, it's yeah. noteworthy. It's very... And like the backstory like behind it, like what we found out after the movie mm. came out, really interesting. Add that context. Yeah. I recommend it. Really good movie. Uh, the movie 10... The uh, Abbas Kiarostami movie. Oh, I've never seen 2002. that. Okay. I haven't seen 10. Uh, the Raid Redemption. Awesome movie. And Tokyo Story. Uh, Great. For Ozu. Great pick. Yeah. yeah, love it. Most of the films that... Uh, and Oh, those are all from uh, different countries. Good. Uh, most... I'm, I'm glad. You don't want to like... Because Asia is not like a big monolith. It's, There's yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of different cultures and you want to like represent as many as you can. Mm. It's difficult in any kind of curriculum setting where like you only have a limited number of time and money and, yeah, and, yeah. and movies you can show within a certain amount of time. And like, like here, here's the yeah. representative cinema from an entire fucking continent. It's like, yeah, like how do, you, how do you do... There's no way to do that properly. The only you can really do is pick the most diverse group of movies as you can... And then recommend additional reading, basically. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all you can really do. Uh, most of the films ended up being from the 2000s, uh, but I can live with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. They're all of different uh, genre and mood, as well as from different countries. I've enjoyed them all myself. I'm curious if you two have any thoughts on these ones. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember Whitney especially finding In the Mood for Love boring. <laughs> which is fine, I doubt it's coming to my club anytime soon. Anyways, I wish the best for you. With love and respect, okay. Um, yeah, I haven't seen every film on that list, but every film I've seen on that list I think is great. I think Tokyo Story is... It's considered one of the best movies ever made. And once you see it, assuming that you have, you know, the patience for, you know, a drama, mm. not a melodrama, but like a drama, a like a, drama, like a family yeah. drama with like some subtlety to it. Not everyone does, but, mm. you know, if you're in that mood, you're going to really love that movie. That movie's fantastic. Uh, Memories of a Murder is a really fantastic uh, crime procedural. It's also about... Uh, <laughs> unafraid to show the cops being just awful at what they do. Uh, so <laughs> just it's really, at their jobs. it's really good. And in the mood for love, I know Whitney isn't a huge fan. I haven't revisited it in a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll come around to Whitney's way of thinking. But um, it's a very sweet, very sad, very stylish, doomed love story. And I yeah. think a lot of people respond to it because it evokes a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. So I can't really argue with that. Yeah. Uh, um, I haven't seen 10 though have you seen 10 I've not seen 10 I was actually just looking okay. up like where in Kiarostami's uh, film it's yeah from 2002 yeah um, I was Kiarostami uh, interesting filmmaker uh, very uh, uh, mm. kind of like almost slow well I want to say slow cinema but a, a lot of sort of uh, sustained uh, contemplative mm. takes like close ups of, of people and yeah. just sort of stays there uh, and the only films of uh, Kiarostami I've seen are Taste of Cherry, which is probably mm. his like best known film, I think so. and uh, more recently Certified Copy. And I, I like sort of the way uh, he he's uh, constructs a lot of these sort of slow moving worlds where we kind of get into a headspace by just sort of sitting in a room with someone. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I would say this: you might want to look up. I had heard some uh, very mm. unfortunate behind the scenes stories about Ten. Mm. Uh, from an actress who was in it, uh, and she said some pretty, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty damning, pretty things, damning yeah. things about Abbas Kiarostami. I really don't know the details yeah, of it, and, and but it's not, it's not encouraging, and that might not be the film to go with as a result, or mm. you might want to not show Abbas Kiarostami right now because that might be a bit inflammatory. Mm. So. Be aware. Do yeah, some additional uh, research, especially on that movie, because yeah, Kira, some some bad Kira, things Kira have come Stami up. About has, uh, I mean, he died in 2016, but uh, yeah. there, you know, since his death, some things have come up, uh, some crimes yeah. that he might have committed. Yeah, uh, and 
yeah. So if, if yeah. you're if you're comfortable showing that and your audience is comfortable with mm-hmm. you know can, can compartmentalize, then that's yeah. that's up to you. But um, it's important to do a little additional research before you before you present anything. And yeah, that came out really recently. That came out really recently. So um, yeah. just a, a warning. I'm not going to ruin anyone's day by going into any details about it. I don't know the full details off the top of my head, but um, right. not cool. Not cool. But uh, generally speaking, those are all great movies. Again, I didn't see the Kiarostami one. But mm. uh, but yeah, it sounds like you're doing a good job. And um, keep, yeah, keep, keep at it. I, I like keep your, at uh, it, but like, do, do some research on the context yeah, just in the, case. The, the, but your selections, like your idea of your selections and that you're trying yeah. to have a, a good uh, cross-section of different kinds of movies from different nations. Uh, that's is, a good thing. That's, that's a, a wise way to go about it. I agree. All right. Um, is that the end uh, of that email? That's the end of that email. Okay. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, here's a letter from Tom in all capital letters. Um, hello, you lovely, lovely chaps. Uh, recently, while watching one of my favorite video game podcasts, mm. uh, they were discussing the best console-exclusive games. Ah. Uh, a discussion slash debate was brought up that I absolutely hate when people are discussing or comparing media. One of the brackets in the tournament... It was a tournament. Okay. Uh, featured an older first-person shooter game going up against a more recent one. Uh, Got it. One of the hosts said uh, that, quote, I'm voting for blank because it came first, and without it, its impact, uh, then uh, we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had the n- newer game to rely on. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of this argument at all. While I admit we must give praise and highlight the importance for the media that pioneered certain techniques... Uh, conventions and styles. I think it's a fruitless argument to have when debating about movies, games, books, or music, whatever it is. It's an argument I see brought up all the time. Such and such came out first, and without it, we wouldn't have newer such and such. I don't care about that. I only care about which one is better to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, By saying this, you're not commenting on the quality of either product. Uh, Surely we should be discussing the quality of the product and not the fact that it came first or introduced some of the trademarks. Just because something was released first doesn't mean it was better. I feel like if someone uh, is is to use that argument, then they are outright dismissing other major, more important discussion points. Now, this isn't to say that older products cannot be better and that newer Mm -hmm. products... uh, than newer products, or that this argument cannot be used effectively, but when it is the only discussion point or argument someone presents, often I often find it a little bit hollow, and I often know that this is subjective in the grand scheme of things, too. Uh, what are your thoughts, and do either of you have argument points just, just to grind your gears to? Lots of love, Tom. All right, Tom, uh, that is a good question, actually. Uh, when uh, wait, when uh, We can only restage that in terms of film criticism. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, didn't, I don't know this, I didn't see the specific show or podcast mm-hmm. you're talking about, uh, and I know something about video games, but um, just generally speaking, when you're speaking critically about an art form and you're being asked to do things like rank things. Rank, yeah, make like, a list. Like we're doing the, we do the Iron List, we do it our way, there's this big sight and sound poll, everyone does a top ten of the year list, sometimes we talk about the greatest blanks of all time. And when we do that, every single critic, pundit, whatever they want to call themselves, has to decide... What's going to make the list? And in order to do that, they decide what matters most to them. What do they value? Mm. And that, I think, is where it gets interesting. And I think that's one of the big reasons why so many lists are dramatically different. Some people will just go by, these are my favorites, ergo, I think they're the best. Mm. That's not necessarily how I do it. Some people value 
historical significance. Yeah, posterity. They care about posterity. They care about representing the history of something, mm. not just what is new. And in the case of video games, it's really tricky because video games aren't specifically just about their impact. There's also a lot of functionality involved. And a yeah, lot of it's, it's, classic video games don't play as well as newer games, even not as good games, arguably, mm. just because we have advanced how the games yeah, the, work. Yeah, the... Uh, I'm not a video game guy, so yeah. take this however you will, but I think the the perfect video game, like the one that really just sort of nailed... There's like two that really just nailed it, and I don't think they'll ever be surpassed, uh-huh. are... They're, they're games like Space Invaders, yeah. or Tetris, things that are actually really very basic, yeah. that uh, where you can grasp it easily, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a little bit hypnotic, yeah. and it sort of forces your brain into developing something of a minor skill while yeah. you're, you get better at this game and it be- can become very difficult to master. I, I don't disagree. In fact, I think there's a lot to be said for earlier games that had a very clean design and aesthetic and concept mm. uh, that can be played endlessly. I've argued many times that arguably, in my opinion, uh, the best video game ever made is still Missile Command, mm. which is not only a great video game. It's a, it's, if you've never played it, you, there's three bunkers at the bottom of the screen. It's a two D yeah, game. It's from the old Atari days, and you, and you and it, uh, you're, you're in control of like a missile shooter. You're you're, you're basically in control of an uh, 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 you can sh- you're shooting down nuclear missiles. Mm-hmm. Missiles are coming down the screen in a well, line it, it's towards just the bunk. Red lines, really. But, but yeah, this is the idea. This is what yeah. it represents. Nuclear weapons are coming down to destroy the bunkers. If they, if so, if a red line goes all the way from the top of the screen down to one of the bunkers, that bunker is dead. And the mm-hmm. only way to destroy it is to set up an explosion just in front of the path of the th- yeah, of the of yeah, the you, line. You set up an explosion, yeah. yeah, a little a little ball appears and yeah. it makes the red line vanish. And when you're playing it, at first it's pretty easy. They don't come that quickly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. There's well, a lot of like leeway. Split up and there's five lines yeah. at once. But like that, then they start splitting up. Then they start coming in faster. Then they start coming in multiple ones at a time. And so there is no way to win hmm. Missile Command. It is all about trying to get as far as you can in Missile yeah, Command. Like that, and that's and, a lot of old arcade games. That's Donkey Kong, that's Pac-Man. Yeah. You just you play until you lose. You play until you lose, which is something that's, to that's, be said for that. And that's Tetris. But in the case of but in the case of Missile Command, because there's a context to it, because they're <laughs> trying to stave off World War Three, mm. and because <laughs> Losing becomes, is inevitable. It becomes about the inevitability. It becomes of war. about the inevitability <laughs> of World War Three. It's actually a very poignant experience <laughs> if you think about it for for even a minute. And I actually think that's really, really great. And I would put that well ahead of many other much more complicated, mm. intricate, and arguably even better playing games today because yeah, I think it yeah. has more of an impact. But again, that's what I value. Mm. So if I were making that list, I'm going to make it based off of what matters to me. Like for example, if I'm talking about uh uh I don't know. Like, let's say I'm talking about uh, what's the what are the best fight movies ever made. Mm. Well, one thing that's really important to me is is uh, 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 intricate choreography and uh, clean staging, so you can appreciate the uh, acrobatic dance that we're enjoying in the film. So I'm going to veer towards older kung fu movies a lot of the yeah, time films or films that do that films yeah. that do that but that's what i value there are other perfectly valid things to value in that genre mm-hmm. you might care more about the interpersonal conflict you might care more about uh, working within an arena boxing movies might get an edge for you because mm-hmm. you think that's a more elegant way of doing it i'm not going to begrudge someone their value system 
for how they choose their films. I might wildly disagree <laughs> and say that absolutely does not deserve to be on there, and that's the fun of those lists, is you yeah, get to have they, those conversations, hopefully uh, in good humor. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I I, I, I I see their point, honestly. I'm going to say that. Yeah, right. I, 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 don't, uh, I see your point as well, but I see their point. Yeah, list, and the, the whole point, yeah, yeah, those lists are for fun. Yeah. Uh, and some people take them very seriously, and they want to author sort of like a, a, per, a, a perfect list, as it were, trying to get a, a healthy cross-section of all of the most important as well as the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, often when something like a, a technique or a certain kind of, in the case of video games, maybe a gameplay or in terms of films, certain sort of like a filmmaking style mm-hmm. uh, was first pioneered. Mm-hmm. Or at the very uh, least popularized, which or, is yeah, more common. Popular. Yeah, yeah, like Citizen Kane gets uh, famously got a lot of credit for inventing things it didn't actually invent, but it employs all of those things very well. Yeah, and and uh, made more people notice them than it ever noticed them yeah, before, uh, so it gets a lot of credit. Yeah, uh, I think those sort th- those sorts of uh, acknowledging those sorts of things might take a little bit of imagination, mm-hmm. uh, especially if the those the films or the the games in question uh, came out long before you were born. Mm-hmm you would have to cast your mind back to an audience who had never... and put yourself in the place of an audience who had never seen that before mm-hmm. and try to uh, recognize how astonishing that was. Yeah, how, how, how absolutely mm-hmm. mind-boggling certain things... Like, like it's what, for example, I feel like when we talk about the Jurassic World movies today, mm-hmm. we write them off. Yeah. They're not very good anymore. When Jurassic Park, a very good movie, but let's leave that aside, when that movie came out, the visual effects... We had not seen that before. Hmm. Those were legitimately astonishing to people. I was there opening day, and people were like, literally, like, I don't know what the f- how did they do that? <laughs> like, we had no idea. Yeah, like, it was yeah. such a leap forward that, and again, we can appreciate it now as a monster. It's a monster movie, hmm. but it, at the time, it was huge. And you, you look at here. Here's the really frustrating thing: uh, with enough money, uh, these studios can put some pretty damn dazzling things in these movies sure. on paper. Uh, I remember watching um, uh, uh, the latest Star Wars film. The Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Uh, there's a scene in that movie uh, where the good guys charge out of a spaceship on horseback. Yeah. And they run a- across another spaceship that's in orbit. Uh-huh. Uh, on horseback, like shooting at things and blowing up the ship from horses in space. Now, if Frank Frazetta and, was drawing that, that would be the yeah, coolest like, book cover you've ever seen, and you would buy that book regardless of what it was about. I was going to say that that's like a heavy metal comic, like heavy yeah. metal magazine comic. Uh, and yet, somehow, the filmmaking mm-hmm. made it dull. Yeah. It's like the, the special effects aren't dazzling anymore, and they're not showing them the, off. They're not. They're not. They're not impressed by themselves anymore. Yeah, they're just they're not like, look what we did. Let's show off the most incredible thing so we there, can do. There, there's not a lot of uh, pause to mm. acknowledge how astonishing this thing is. Yeah. So I think they're hoping we just sort of are thrilled by the very concept that it's happening. Yeah. Without having to do any of the hard work. Uh, so back, uh, it, back to the point. Te- though, technically, the special effects are better. In, yes, in the newer one. That's a good point. Yes, but they don't have there's, the same there's a difference between that and being actually like moved and dazzled by something. Um, yeah. Back to my original point. Uh, the um, so there's this there's this urge to maybe uh, include things for posterity's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also, however, and this goes to a different point, the idea that 
something uh, was pioneered in an older film or an older video game, mm-hmm. and then it actually was legitimately surpassed by the things that imitated it. That happens. And this is something, yeah. uh, I actually refer to this very specifically as Beverly Hills Cop Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see Beverly Hills Cop until I was in my 30s. Actually, neither did I. Okay, And I yeah. was thoroughly immersed in 80s cinema. There's like mm. two or three major movies. I never saw Beverly Hills Cop in the 80s. Mm. I never saw The Last Unicorn in the 80s. Okay. And the one that's left over, and I'm probably going to fix it this month, mm. I've never seen Fletch. Oh, okay. A lot of people first, love uh, Fletch. It's I been never, a while, but never I've never Fletch. Up. There's a lot I haven't seen either. I, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen, like, Pretty Woman. I haven't seen oh, Pretty wow. Woman. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, never never, huge, never got right? around to it. Right. It's a little mildly surprising. Um, but, yeah, actually, my, my wife and I just, like, made lists of, like, films from, like, Mm. bigger films from like the 80s that we've never seen i've never seen uh fried green tomatoes oh um, okay i haven't seen that since it came out i don't mm. have a lot of memory of it, uh, but uh you go back and what you watch something like beverly hills cop now mm. beverly Hills cop was a monster it was a huge hit when Check, it came out oscar uh, it, nominated you know, it was a big deal yeah like it was a, put eddie murphy on the map it's yep. just this huge cinema presence and he had uh, over a decade worth of these giant hits mm-hmm. uh and He's actually shooting Beverly Hills Cop Part 4 right now. Yeah, this one's like called Beverly back. Hills Cop Axel Foley, which is good because now this one will be about Axel Foley. That, that's his character. They're all about Axel I Foley. don't know why they're doing that. And, but uh, so many of this idea of the irascible cop from out of town getting yeah. involved in sort of like this bigger story mm-hmm. uh, has now been outdone by higher octane slicker movies that really mm-hmm. kind of nailed the formula and did it better. So you go back yeah. and you watch Beverly Hills Cop. It feels really loose. It's really, really shabby, yeah, actually. Like, you get, the story doesn't make a whole you, lot of you sense. You can tell that the movie is basically like a very, like, not very sturdy skeleton on which mm-hmm. to let Eddie Murphy ad-lib. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes he's funny, sometimes he's wildly homophobic, and uh, that was, uh, it's not great, big, but like... Big thing in comedy But like, basically, it's it, the movie exists to create a star. Yeah. If yeah. a star can carry this movie, they will be a big star, yeah. and Eddie Murphy did that. So, uh... But yeah, as a movie itself, it's not that great, honestly. Uh, like, there are way better, were... like, funny cop movies from the era. Like, Lethal Weapon is heads and... Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 are heads and tails above Beverly Hills yeah. Cop in quality. But Lethal Weapon 2 is... The, that, 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 that movie's, movie's madness. That yeah. movie's fucking weird, right? Uh, like, and, and, and he has his shirt off now. And Joss Ackland is waving his badge around. And pulling uh, pulling houses out of mountains with the truck. <laughs> it's, like, so like, it's so fucking weird. Weird ass Bless them, they, uh, they went for it. Gotta yeah, they, they, they yeah. really, really hit... Hit everything in that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're going to put Beverly Hills Cop on a list of the best cop movies of all time, that might be a nostalgia move, wouldn't it? Like somebody yeah, probably put, saw that when they were young. You're putting that in there for like its significance and its, its popularity. Yeah, it was yeah. popular, popular at a time. Yeah. So, uh, I, I definitely don't think you're going to put that in there for like so thing, abject quality. Yeah. Things that uh, pioneer a certain mm. genre or technique mm. aren't always necessarily going to be the best or even the most important. Right. So... I agree with uh, you, dear listener, on that front. Yeah, that and without knowing the specific examples you use, yeah. we cannot speak to that specific context. And maybe this is one of those times. But I, I also understand the impulse that perhaps the list maker had uh, to point out that things can be astonishing, even if they're a little uh, uh, dated by today's standards. I know it's a lot different with video games because they mm-hmm. are techno just like film, they're technology-based. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, video games have evolved very, very quickly, and mm-hmm. now modern video games are 
way more elaborate now than they yeah. were 20 years we're, ago. We're still in the infancy, really, of video games mm-hmm. as an art form. Video games as we know them weren't really developed until the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So it's... And so, and they, it's basically like when you watch, like, Pac-Man... Mm. You're watching like a Lumiere Brothers film, <laughs> and now, and now, only now are we at the point where we're getting stuff like Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, or Nosferatu, um, or Metropolis. Like it's evolved that much that quickly, mm-hmm. and also, sadly, we're losing as much of it as well because a lot of those mm-hmm. video games are for systems that no longer exist or aren't yeah, available yeah. anymore, and so we're losing a lot of that art. We never learn our lesson, do we? I, I appreciate it's like. It's kind of this cutthroat way of doing it, but Nintendo, mm-hmm. uh, if you buy uh, their newer systems, mm-hmm. you can subscribe, with a little extra scratch, uh-huh. and you'll get access to like a lot of their old 8-bit stuff. And yet, a lot of it's missing. A lot of it's missing. A lot it's, of it's missing, like, it's sad. At least they have, like, a, it's a very small catalog, but yeah. they have some catalog. It's like, hey kids, it's a start. you don't know what your parents were playing, or your grandparents. It and, should all be available somehow, and yeah. that's, the, that's the issue here. One more thought about this, because as critics, Whitney and I write a lot of these like top 10 lists, and we mm-hmm. do a ripper once a month for this uh, this podcast network. Um, And so we think about it a lot. And when you write a lot of these lists or when you're doing those like brackets like a lot of people on YouTube or podcasts do, um, there's another element to it that is more functional than just saying Mm. what you think is the best. Yeah, and we we say this a lot. And we say this a lot. We say this, I think, every time we do the Iron List. Um, It's not just about declaring something the best. That's part of it. Mm. It's also about considering... What do we want to encourage people to check out? Mm-hmm. We A list, a top 10 list, top 100 list, whatever, it's not just there for you to go, I saw that movie. That belongs on that list. I feel validated. That always feels nice. And that can be a perfectly fine way to go about I, it. I've I had editors tell me that's literally the only reason to do a top 10 list. People just want to see the movies they like on it, mm-hmm. and as long as they're there, you did your job. And I, but, it, but if you're clever, you slip one in that is unexpected. See, I don't agree with that philosophy. Yeah. I think at the very least you do that. Yeah. I think at this, uh, what it really is is a list of recommendations. Mm. If you've never seen these That's movies, all, we all highly... It is, yeah. All it really is. We encourage you to see these movies. And if you put any stock in our opinion, or even if we challenge you so much, like, how the hell did that make the top ten? I have to see that for myself to find out. Then we've done our job because we've encouraged you to check out a piece of art you might not otherwise have done. So taking a choice that might be a little unusual, especially to younger audience members who maybe didn't play that game when it came out or didn't see that movie or haven't gone out of their way to explore classic cinema is an important creative decision on the part of a critic who hopefully enjoys that work of media. They're not just saying it to say it, Mm. but they're actually making sure that they keep these older things in the conversation because too often... Because of search engine optimization, mm-hmm. uh, too many uh, uh, critics, websites, podcasts, YouTube shows, whatever, mm-hmm. they're only talking about what's currently popular. Yeah. Because that's where the clicks are. And I get it, and that can be fun too, but if you're not also using your platform to make sure people are aware of the history of that medium, I th- think you're wasting time. I think that you're, 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 not- you're, 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 you're maybe not wasting time. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you're not using your platform to its utmost. And I think you're doing a disservice to what you're talking about. Mm. So they might just be considering that. I want to make sure that people, whoever's watching this, Mm. understands the significance of this and will maybe check it out if they haven't already. And that's also a valid concern. That's a valid thing, too. Once again, it's all about what you value. It's a valid thing to value. So so you're you're listening to this video game podcast. Maybe they're... uh, 
it's like, and we're going to list the best games of all time. Yeah. And it's three people, and they each have a, t- a top ten list. Yeah. And 28 of those games are games you've never heard of. Uh-huh. Consider this. You get to try 28 new games. That That is basically like, ooh, how exciting. And listen, if you play a couple of them and they all suck, mm-hmm. maybe they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and that is possible. It's totally, I've seen told plenty of top ten lists that I read, I'm curious, and I'm just like, I don't think this person's seen a lot of movies in this genre or something to that effect. That's my opinion. Other people might disagree. But yeah, if it's something on there that you're just like, what the hell is that doing there? Maybe it's there for a really good reason and you should check it out. Mm. That's that's my hope. That's all. If I put something interesting on a list that people don't know, I hope they check it out before they scorn. Yeah. You know? So anyway, long tangent, we have to think about this kind of thing a lot. But it's a really good question. Like, what goes into the decisions mm-hmm. in these types of, of lists? And I don't think everyone always... Not everyone takes it super seriously. And Whitney and I do. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you might notice if you tune into the Iron List, we don't rank our lists. No. We have a number one, just for the sake of uh, like having to climax yeah. to. But, a uh, little posterity. Yeah, like, it, uh, what do we think is the best, if we had to pick? But, mm. yeah, it's just a list of recommendations. It's our like, number yeah, two, it, we, we, we want you to see our number ten... And just as much as you want to see our number two. Yeah. See them all. Ten movies is, is not a lot. No, we're not big on bracketeering. It's uh, not super, I'll do it if, like, the if place an editor assigns me. Yeah, if an editor's like, hey, would you mind, like, ranking these movies? I'm like, that can be fun, too. Mm-hmm. Because then you're talking about sort of artistic context. Yeah. Like, I recently did an article for The Wrap in which I ranked all of the Alien and Predator movies together because they're kind of indelibly mm-hmm. linked now. And that was like 11 of them, or let's see. There's oh no, it'd be like there's seven Predator films. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's leave. There's two Alien. Let's let's leave Alien versus Predator out of it for a second. There's the four original Alien movies and the two extra Ridley Ridley Scott Alien movies. That's six. Okay. Uh, And then there are one, two, three, five Predators. There's Predator, Predator Two, Predators, the Predator. Yeah, there's five. Mm. So that's, that's six and five. That's eleven, and then Predator, Alien vs Predator one and two. That's so that's thirteen. Thirteen. Right. So it's thirteen movies. I had a lot of fun thinking about well, when you put them all together, how do they compare? How do they equate? What, which one stands out more than another for which reason? And so I'm, what I'm really doing isn't so much saying well this is totally the best. What I'm really just saying is in context, here's how they all kind of come out. That's fun too. Mm. But not how I would normally do it. Anyway, uh, I think we have time for one more letter. Okay, uh, here's another letter. This one comes from Josh. Hello, Josh. Hi, Josh. Um, hi, Bibbs and Whitney. Uh, first, thanks for all the content you produce every week. Uh, we are content with our content. Um, I write to you from Melbourne, Australia, and I thought I should share with you one of the most famous cancellations from Australian TV. Ooh, that's uh, exciting. Thank to you. To my knowledge, you have not covered this show, and I thought it would be right up your alley. It's called Australia's Naughtiest Home Videos. I've heard of this. It's a, spi- a spinoff of um, uh, Australia's Funniest Home Videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it aired on, uh, 19, in 1992 on the Nine Network. Uh, the Nine Network is Australia's largest TV network and was owned by millionaire Kerry Packer at the time. Uh, during the show's pilot episode, Kerry Packer tuned in and was so offended that he called the network and demanded they get that quote, get this shit off the air. As in the res- middle of the episode. As the result, the show went into a scheduled commercial break and then was replaced by a rerun of Cheers. The- <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine with no internet to like tell you what the what hell is going was, on? Yeah. You're just like, the- did I lose my mind? Did I fall asleep? What happened? The remainder of the show was not shown or re-realized until after the Packers' death in 2008. Wow. Uh, 
the content of the show featured stuff as classy as animals, uh, animals humping humans' legs, and uh-huh. a boy grabbing a kangaroo by the testicles because <laughs> because Australia. <laughs> That's Aussie slang when talking about Australia. Yeah, yeah, we say America over yeah, here. Yeah, America. Um, yeah, we do that. Yeah. Uh, the host was banned from the Channel Nine for life. Wow! And several people involved were fired. Jesus! There's loads of How information that... available online about this. Should you want more, the link attached and there's a link here. Yeah, uh, features the original airing, including the beginning of Cheers. <laughs> if we do that, we should do that on Cancel This Instant Time. Yeah. But we should include Cheers. <laughs> we should <laughs> include Cheers. It would be great. So uh, this character, Sam, who was introduced halfway through the episode, um, here's, and some early 1990s Australian TV commercials in the video as well. Nice. Uh, admittedly, I've never made it through the whole thing. It is terrible, uh. but the story around it is pretty crazy. Hopefully I've drawn your attention to something new and interesting. Cheers, Josh. Had, had you heard about that before? Uh, I, I had heard a legend yeah. of a show that was canceled partway through its first episode. I, rem- I, heard, I read about this a long time. I couldn't initially find it, but I, have, I don't... I search for things, but I don't search for them every day, and sometimes mm-hmm. I don't search for them for a long time. So I guess it's available now. But when I looked for it initially, I couldn't find it. Oh, um, it's, it's the, there's a link here now. That's great. <laughs> we'll definitely have to check that out. We're we're scheduled through like the next couple of months, but like yeah, yeah we'll totally check that out at some point. Yeah, it's just, it's just on YouTube now. Oh, God, I mean, it some sounds inter- uh, it sounds unpleasant. <laughs> like it really does. Like it doesn't sound yeah, like a uh, fun thing to watch. Uh, um, it's it's like a. It's like Faces of Death, but fun. Well, it's like Faces of Death on network television. On network telev- like, it's the network television there was Faces this whole, of Death. There was this whole thing in the 80s, really throughout whatever, which is basically like, ah, yes, you know, people just want to see more and more tawdry shit yeah, on okay. TV. What? How much sex can we put on there before we get was, in trouble? How much violence can we put on there and, before and we was, get in that trouble? Was, that, that, that was uh, the, the Fox decree. Very they, tried, much so. they tried to get a lot of people's attention by being raunchy. Married with Children is mm. like... <laughs> That Mary Jolson is something I think you legitimately couldn't do today on network television. <laughs> I think everyone always says, oh, they couldn't make that today. You could. Uh, Mary with Children, I don't think you could make that show exactly the way it was. No, that show was, no, no. It I'm was amazed they got away. I'm amazed they got away with that well, show. The, uh, the original, if you've watched the early episodes of the yeah. show, it's just a send-up of sitcoms. Like, yeah. What if we had a, like, a, a normal suburban home, but they're all just horrible human they, beings. They hate each other. They hate their family. Mm. The spouses hate each other. The kids hate each other. Everyone's trying to get laid, mm. and they can't. And, yeah, it, that's it's, it. It was, yeah, it was the, the pure war- misery. They hate their neighbors. Yeah. yeah. All, all of the warmth that's supposed to come with a sitcom was replaced by caustic hate. And that, yeah. was, and that was the joke. And it was novel. Yeah. It was incredibly novel. And I feel like they would eventually sort of perfect that with The Simpsons, which was, like, sort of the anti-sitcom as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Married with Children for many seasons was just pure raunch. Sometimes it was funny. Later on, it became, like, really, like, aggressively misogynist after a while. it it could be Uh, that in the beginning, too. I think we're being... It's easy to be a little selective on it, but, like... Yeah, maybe so. It's like... But, again, sometimes it was very, very funny. Certainly it was novel at the time. I think you pick almost any episode of that show, I don't (laughs) think you could put it on the air today. I think, at the very least, someone would tell you before it got to the air, don't air that. That's well, not gonna go. That's not gonna go well. Sh- we're gonna get a lot of think pieces. We don't want this shit. <laughs> the show's owned, owned by Disney now, and they're never letting. Oh it god! So oh my just, god! You're right. It's just gone. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah, Disney's not gonna be. Oh, Disney's not gonna not, get. Disney will not just start putting it on Hulu. Or they're not gonna. Like that. They're not gonna turn that into the next Adams Family movie franchise or Married with Children gets a movie. I don't think that's gonna happen. Ooh. Although I kind of want that be like an A twenty four movie now. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> kind of a Ari Aster is buried with children. <laughs> um, 
But anyway, mm. <laughs> where was I going with this? Um, but yeah, so so uh, that uh, that's a thing. Uh, 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 Australia's thing. raunchiest home video. No, yeah. we were you were talking about how uh, there was this decree in the nineties. Yeah, make, so like I, I understand early nineties to make things. I understand how that happened, and I understand seeing that on your network and being upset. I also what I don't understand is uh, it's your network. Mm. How did you how did you let that slide by you? <laughs> that is on you, isn't it? The buck does stop at you. Hmm? I, I do have stories, though, of, of shows that were, I don't want to say daring, but just mm. had the chutzpah yeah. to uh, really grievously attack their overseers. Oh, yeah. I respect yeah. I respect attacking over like the, the, like yeah. the corporate over like the, the like, corporate lords that are, are just sort of The Simpsons is a great example of this. They would rip into Fox mercilessly. All the like, time. They man. would be like, Oh Lisa, you don't let us do anything anymore. We can't even watch Fox because they have all those missile silos. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but then there was that one that took place in the future and which is the past now, where Marge and Homer are watching Fox and they say, uh, wow, the Fox network turned into hardcore pornography so gradually. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> And it's such a great dig at their own fucking network. It's so great. Uh, I uh, We covered a Cancel Too Soon show, and one of the reasons it probably was canceled too soon was because it pissed off Aaron Spelling. Uh, oh, yeah. We, we did a, a sketch... Co- it was also a Fox show. I forgot about that. A sketch comedy yeah. show called The Edge, uh, yeah. which... Uh, was trying to be an edgy sketch comedy show. Edgy, yeah. it's, it's like the mo- one of the most violent shows ever put on TV, and it was yeah. a sketch comedy show. Like, every episode began with a sketch in which the entire cast was murdered. Was, yeah, it was killed by something. Like, the like, entire shot, cast. Shot up with arrows. Or, murdered. Uh, the ceiling fell by on by a him. truck. Something yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was but, trying. I, I love The Edge. It's so great. When, um, when it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was as bad as every other sketch comedy show I, that I never made so, it out of the I suppose so, but I think but the highs are pretty darn high. I that. can live with that. And yeah. there's animated segments by Bill Plimpton. That was fun. Uh, but they had a spoof of Beverly Hills 90210 on that show. Yeah. And they just completely slammed Beverly Hills 90210. They did sure. not pull any punches. Uh, they pointed out that the cast all, you know, they're all in their the 30s. teenagers all look like they're in their 30s. Yeah. Their hair is too tall. Uh, two of them, like, they would rip their shirts off and get into hair fights <laughs> and, like, make each other bleed. And uh, then just just to make sure <laughs> that... It makes 90210 sound so much more fun than it was. Yeah. Uh, and and, and you know, one of the big selling points is, oh, it's like this hot new cast. All these, like, sexy young people, even though yeah. they're in their 30s. And... Uh, they joked with that in a really gross kind of way and implying that all of the family members were just having affairs. Like, it was this big incest show. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they're having, like, brother and sister characters making out on their their spoof of Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. And then uh, the character played by Tori Spelling uh-huh. would burst in and said, this is all okay. I can do whatever I want. It's my daddy's show. She's like, turn right into uh-huh. the camera. This is my daddy's show. And here's show. the thing. Everyone uh, was saying it, whether mm. it was cool or not. I'm not. I, I, uh, it's a. Fu- it's it's kind of rude because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes over there. But that's. It wasn't the edge saying that they were saying what everyone. They, they was were saying. they were repeating. Yeah, like right. Tori Spelling. You're only on the show because your dad is the executive producer. I mean, it's it's media mogul. It uh, it raises the question, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, did were you really the best person to audition? You your dad did create the show. Mm. It's hard to kind of get around that. You know, it's a little distracting. So they commented on it. Aaron Spelling did not like that. No, he did not. I I don't blame him for not liking that because that is obviously intended as an insult to him. I get it. But he did get the edge canceled. I I found uh, an interview with uh, one of the show's producers, not Julie Brown, but uh, one of the the executives. And uh, his comment was essentially, oh, Aaron Spelling, just lighten up. (laughs) Of course we're making fun of your show. We're a comedy show. Yeah. We're making fun of of it because it's risible. It's a ridiculous person. 
program. Because it was a hit show. You you pu- they're punching up. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're the shitty sketch comedy show that can be easily canceled by Aaron Spelling with a phone call mm. and you're the biggest show on Fox. Granted, that means you're like the 80th most popular show on TV <laughs> at the time, but like still, you're the biggest show on the network that we're on. So they're punching upwards. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, but but I, I love it. I love it when, when a, a sketch comedy troupe just sort of playing around, yeah. deliberately being mean to, yeah, punching up to like yeah. somebody who's far more powerful than they are, yeah. actually like gets a rise out of them. Yeah. It's like they reached them. Yeah, I know. I know. But you remember when, because uh, 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 every time there's a new administration, Saturday Night Live has to find a new person to play the president. Yeah, they do it all. Everything, whether it's funny or not, they got it. They, they're gonna. They address news of the week. They got to have someone to play the president, and they have people play various people throughout the administration when they're relevant. Uh, Trump hated what SNL did. Wasn't it Trump, great? Trump hated it. It wasn't even that funny most of the time. No, it just uh, it really wasn't. Like Melissa McCarthy was kind of funny, but like no one else was really doing great work uh, <laughs> at, at, in that particular realm. I, it's I just they t- were insulting the president, uh, and Fey, it was funny uh, that he was that he was mad when Tina Fey played um, Sarah Palin. That one was good, but that was years ago. Yeah, that was years ago. Was, I'm talking about really the Trump years specifically. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah. In fact, they, in fact they, some uh, people blamed Tina Fey for the Sarah Palin not being taken seriously as a vice presidential candidate, which just goes to show you, mm. comedy does have power. Uh, maybe it does. It, not maybe always. It does. I'm, not I'm, as always as much as you'd think, but it, it, can, it's, it can prevent people from being taken seriously, yeah, and that can be powerful. Yeah. Um, there, there's a phenomenon, I forgot the name of it, um, mm. uh, where something becomes so ridiculous it can no longer be parodied. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like there's, there's, uh, there, there's a name for that, this phenomenon where it, mm. you, you can't exaggerate it anymore because it's already reached sort of like mm-hmm. extreme exaggeration. But just by saying it mm. bigger is just amplifying what they're already saying. Uh, and that seems to be kind of what happened with the Trump administration. Let's like, yeah, oh, it was so fucking ridiculous. Like, just real life was so ridiculous you couldn't really make comedy out of it. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I remember they hired Alec Baldwin to play Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live just as a, like a one-off thing. And then uh, they just kept on asking him back. And the reason they kept asking him back is because it pissed off the president. Uh, yeah. He, he had such a... He was, a, a he was wit- giving them free fragile, advertising. Fragile little ego that yeah. uh, he, he... These comedians on Saturday Night Live just... Dared to make fun of the president. Just, and, and not even in a clever way. No. They just made fun of like they the, made the way of, he looked and the way he talked. They made and, every single president they've ever made fun of on SNL. It was lowball jokes. It was always lowball jokes. They, they would take whatever their most mm. obvious uh, 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 qualities were, even if it didn't actually define them. Like the whole thing about um, Gerald Ford falling over. Like he fell over once in the media and then every SNL oh, sketch yeah, was Chevy Chase's him. Gerald yeah. Ford just falling over a lit, mm. funnily. Mm. And um, he didn't even do that that often. It just became the joke. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, but it's a whole thing. I forgot mm. where we were. Well, just, how do we get started on this? Well, we're talking about Fox and how... Uh, yeah, how do we get, started, how we get on uh, Fox? Uh, well, because uh, Australia's naughtiest home video oh, that's right. like, re- okay. reached the executive. And I always yeah. like when uh, those very rare instances where you can yeah. sort of rattle an executive a little bit. And I think it's, But again, I think that's the great purpose of comedy, when you can rattle someone who hmm. is, thinks they're powerful enough not to be rattled. Yeah, A lot yeah, of people think that they're above anything. I, yeah. I, I feel like... Comedians, when you talk to them personally, like to mm. sort of talk up their own importance a little bit. Sure. Uh, I don't think comedy is that powerful. 
Generally not. There have been instances, but See, generally uh, not. No. Satire doesn't undo a fascist administration. Well, not all by itself. Fascists gonna fascist. Yeah. Uh, satire is you know a little bit of a balm for uh, you know mm-hmm. the oppressed. Very much so. But uh, yeah, it's it's not so strong that it can actually undo. There, there are definitely instances in history in which satire or uh, or, in, or great fictionalization mm. uh, can dramatically impact the way people are viewed and the amount of power they can wield. Mm. It's not the norm, but it happens just often enough that you can teach it in a history class. Yeah. So it's important to remember that it does have that power, but only sometimes. Okay. And you got to do it right. Uh, but anyway, I don't think uh, the uh, Australia's naughtiest home videos work is going to do that. Although it did end up rattling, it rattled their 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 boss. Mm. Probably not because they had pointed commentary about their boss. <laughs> no, just because probably just because it felt like really gross. Yeah. But in any case, that's something we might cover in an upcoming episode of Cancel Too Soon. Thank you for re- thank you for reminding me about it and putting it like in the foreground of our heads. And thank you for showing us that it is currently available because initially I couldn't find it. So thank you for that. And that is it for We've Got Mail this week. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for writing in. If we didn't get your email, we apologize. We do have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we could do this every day and probably not run out for a really long time. So we're grateful for you for uh, supporting our show, subscribing. If you want to uh, get more exclusive shows like our new Step Up podcast or our Star Trek podcast or Oscars podcast, uh, feel free to join us at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You can also listen to our shows ad free, which Mm. can be nice. I get it. Uh, So again, thank you everybody for supporting us. Thank you for subscribing. Leave us a review if you haven't already. That really helps us. Again, if you want soaps, head on over to Salt Cat Soap. It's our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Salt Cat Soap. Separate thing. It is a Soap of the Month Club. Thank you to everybody who subscribed so far. It means a lot to us. And uh, yeah, if you want to write in, please do. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us a letter to uh, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. I always, I always throw that to you because I can never remember that number. I'm just, <laughs> I've learned too many numbers. I'll, I'll, if you God help me if I ever need to get a new phone number, it will never be remembered. We need some sort of mnemonic device for you, like yeah. to, to make you remember those numbers. Yeah, like six um, four. What one best picture? Picture in nineteen sixty four. I was going to just say like San Francisco six four. Like that probably done it. Like San Francisco six four. Yeah. Six starts with a six. Starts with an F. SF San Francisco. Ah, all right. You know that's how they used to do phone numbers. Like oh, it's all like right. you know, give you the the name of the exchange. You know, <laughs> anyway, it's a whole we. We're gonna have for that tangent in the last possible second. Anyway, again, uh, those are the those are the way to contact us. Please do. We're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And until next time, thank you everybody for listening. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but thanks. Bye. <laughs>